everyone, my name is Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is Fig Click. talk about fan fiction each episode the three of us each bring a fic to talk about brenna do you want to tell us what you brought sure um my fic is all straight lines circle sometimes by talahui it is a hockey rpf fic it's pretty different than the one we did last week so hopefully you won't be like i hate hockey i'm turning this <laughs> podcast off just give it a shot Sports. maybe you'll like it it doesn't include too much of the actual sport it mostly includes me lying on the floor weeping mood yeah um nick what about you oh baby (laughs) this episode i am bringing forth the truly amazing fic prismatic by ao3 user maestrado who killed us all and then resurrected (laughs) us um it is a bts fic yes that is a k-pop band so get excited for that one then there's just one left that would be me would it Oh, <laughs> it would. Oh, no. I was oh. just joking. Our mysterious fourth host? <laughs> Surprise. Um, in, in lieu of our fourth host, my pick is Jamais Vu by The Hoyden. It's an Inception fic. Going back to 2010. Um, Sick. <laughs> well, sound more <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> I love Inception. Yes, better. Woo! Nicole, the known movie stan, has watched every movie that's ever come out. I have seen Inception. Don't do this. <laughs> we've created an amazing track record so far of you having seen the movies that we've discussed. Yeah. This will not be continued False. through the entirety of Fit Click. <laughs> People but... call me a film, a bit of a film buff. I'm just Name saying. Three movies <laughs> <laughs> that we haven't uh, read for Fit Click. No, just any three. <laughs> Pacific Rim. Good. Correct. Pacific Rim again. Yes, correct. Uh-huh. And Aliens. You've nailed it. Those well, are the only movies that matter. Listeners, if you haven't taken our BuzzFeed quiz, consider doing so. I have not watched any of those movies. Well, either of them. Any of them, yeah. Okay. Also, there's, there's something fun coming up for us. It's, yeah. uh, it is our first annual Fit Click Retreat. Woo! <laughs> Those are spoiler horns. No, we discussed so at the end, oh, at the end of the, was, hype, the horns. hype horns. It's yeah, all about it's the intonation. Do you not listen to our own podcast, Nicole? No, absolutely not. Wow. It's just okay. Betrayal. <laughs> oh, God. I'm kidding. It's, so it's the best podcast I've ever heard in my life. I mean, same. As you all know. Um, and as our one reviewer on Apple Podcasts knows... Go review us and be like that person or hate us. It's it fine. was pretty great. It made Whoever us reviewed very, us. very happy. So thank you so much. We love you. Yes. Um, if anyone else has things they'd like to say to us, preferably good things, <laughs> we'd love to hear them. <laughs> but hey, we're going on this retreat and we're going to be doing a lot of really exciting things mm-hmm. like falling in love with strangers at coffee shops and miscommunicating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, now we have the potential for, um, like, overheard conversations. Oh, like how we talked about yeah, last episode. Yeah, yes. so maybe you'll be, like, asleep and, yeah, like, yeah, reading yeah. and be like, hey, so, Nicole. <laughs> Nicole. I don't have anything to say. I don't oh, know what... Um, hey, did you hear Nicole? She writes really devastating fic. False. Oh, should we do some dream sharing? <gasps> yes, I would love Let's that. Definite Friday night? Yeah, sounds okay. good to me. Yeah, I'll pencil it in. <laughs> good. <laughs> we'll also be meeting up with friend of the pod, Cassie. Cassie! Cassie! Yay! She's also just our friend in general. Yeah. 
But more importantly, friend of the we pod. We have decided yes. to award her official friend of the pod well, status. Brenna and I have, so that's the majority. Two out of three say, Cassie, you're a friend of the pod. If you'd like to apply, hit us up <laughs> on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Ask to be a friend of the pod. Engage with us on social. Yeah. But <laughs> this is, this is, I guess, I just want to clarify, a real retreat. We are actually, like, <laughs> yeah, going traveling. All, we're going on a weekend vacation yeah. together. Where we drive up into the mountains and then the first, the first snowstorm of the season hits and we didn't expect oh, it. And then we have to take oh, shelter shoot. and huddle for warmth. Power yes. is out. We'll also have some free time while we're traveling and whatnot. Um, if there's any fix that you feel a burning desire to have us read immediately, you can send those to us at our Google form, which is linked on our Twitter. Or if you'd like to recommend any um, <laughs> fic trope friendly activities for us to yes. do. <laughs> yes, please do. We are very excited. Um, I plan on going back to high school, mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. and um, getting into a fight with a, a jock and a nerd <laughs> and then accidentally ending up in a poly V with them. Oops. Ooh. I plan oh, on developing spicy. superpowers. Oh. I'm going to be in a superhero AU, actually, is what Hot. I just decided. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> My timeline is getting compliant. <laughs> Valid. I actually you? am going to time travel a little bit. Okay. Bop around. Nice. I like that for you. Thank you. Um, we're very excited for our first retreat Woo! to read some fic, to talk about fic, to get outside opinions on fic from... Friend of the pod, Cassie, and friend of the pod, my mom. Yeah, mom. <laughs> Thank you, Brenna's mom. Um, yeah, she doesn't read fan fiction, but... She listens. She listens. Yeah. So your mom's good, too. I know. My mom also <laughs> potentially will be listening. Um, but yeah, send us fic. Send us fic-related activities. Send yes. us your mood boards. Yeah, send <laughs> us your mood boards. We want to see your mood boards. Hit me up on Pinterest. Yeah. Any type of mood board. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, okay, should we talk about, like, the fix we picked for this week? Probably. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, Brenna, why don't oh, you yeah. start us off? I am up first this week. Yeah. A new position for me. Love okay. That. All right, this week I'm going to be talking about All Straight Lines Circle Sometimes by AO3 user Talahui. Our friend and yours. Our friend and yours. All of our friends. All of our friends. Thank you for letting us talk about your fic, Yeah, Talahui. We love it so much. We really, really do. All right, so this is a hockey RPF fic in which hockey does happen, and the characters are quote-unquote themselves, albeit highly (laughs) fictionized versions of themselves, for us to project our desires and fears upon. (laughs) That's what I have written in my notes. I love that. Incredible. Um, uh, So this fic centers on a handful of members of the 2018 Colorado Avalanche team. The ones you mainly need to know are Eric Johnson, who we will be calling EJ. EJ. Um, Nathan McKinnon, who we'll be calling Nate. NM. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can call him that. Okay. Okay. Um, Gabriel Landeskog, GL, <laughs> or Gabe, as he will most likely be referred to. Yeah. And Tyson Berry. Yeah. So this fic is set a number of years into the future. I think like eight ish. Mm-hmm. It's not like specifically defined, but that's sort of the math I came up with by like figuring out loosely ages and cup runs and. Mm-hmm. What's the fuck? Tyson word? being traded in the dra- in the expansion, expansion draft. Yes, ah. um, expansion draft. Um, this fic is set a number of years into the future, 
and it's set after EJ has retired from hockey and moved away to California. He comes back to Denver to visit while the Avs are having a really great season um, and is forced to, con I wrote, he's forced to confront the ashes of his past relationship with Nate. <laughs> so that's dramatic, but I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he didn't leave things in like, he left things in a good spot with like hockey and with the team, but not with Nate. Um, so that sort of comes to the forefront in this fic. I really love this fic for so many freaking reasons. It's really close to my heart. I really love post-retirement fic, and it's sort of one of my favorite, like, fandom-specific tropes, which are just something I love in general and definitely want to, yeah. like, revisit, because I think it's so interesting, just, like, as how fandom works in that sense. Anyway, um, I think this is just, like, a really, really good example of that trope of the post-retirement trope. Um, it's really tender and melancholy, and I feel like it treats its characters with such care, especially EJ, who's like the main POV character here. Um, I think it makes them, all of the main characters, like really real people with hopes and fears and fuck-ups, and it doesn't make them perfect, but it gives them room to grow, and I really like it, and I'm very tender about it, and I just also really love this pairing as like an example of what friendship and fandom can be make create yeah. yeah bring into the world together because this is like very much a result of like one little fandom being like how can we write more fic about like our favorite players <laughs> and i'm soft about it Same. okay anyway i have a lot of feelings but like what were your thoughts um unsurprisingly i really 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 love this fic i had also read it before um and the first time i read it I live texted the entire thing to Brenna as I was reading, um, having multiple breakdowns and just kind of wailing. Uh, it's really good. I straight up sobbed the first time I read it. I, I was, only shed yeah. two tears this time, so I was proud ah. of myself. See, I was like convinced I was going to go and I was like, oh, I'm very soft, I'll cry. And I managed to get through most of the fic not crying, and I was like, wow, I'm so proud of myself. Um, and then I got to the end, which... Also, I don't normally listen to music while reading fic, but I was listening to Brenna's Sad Cowboys <laughs> playlist, and The End of Love by Florence and the Machine came on, and I was just steadily crying as I read the last like, 10 minutes of My Sad fic. Cowboys playlist is a playlist, like, ostensibly for EJ in some ways, so I think it's, uh, like, relatable to each and every EJ fic I read. Yes. <laughs> I was also listening to it. <laughs> Which is to say that I really also dearly love this fic. It is so well done in so many ways. Um, it makes me hurt. Uh, there are so many of my notes that are just me kind of like wailing in different ways, um, such as one note that goes, this fic was designed to hurt me over and over and over. And then my next note, which is in all caps, this fic was designed to hurt me <laughs> over and over and over. Um, it's so well done. I really, really love it. And I was really excited when you said that you wanted to bring it to the pod. Yeah, I knew we both had been thinking about it as something we were probably going to get to eventually. Yeah. But here we I are. was like, now's the time. The time <laughs> is now. The time is now and it was a good one. I also really enjoyed it. Um, this was my first time reading this fic. Um, I did not cry. I did make a note that does say... AO3 user Talahui, we are really in it now. <laughs> so I definitely felt feelings. Uh, <laughs> the angst is great. It hurt me in a way that I really enjoyed. Um, I thought that it was a really like lovingly rendered portrait of a main character that was developed really well. 
Um, I love, love, love any fic that's like kind of retrospective where you have a character who's removed from something that they know or like the context that you know them in and they are looking back on both like what they used to have and like what they have now and how it's different and like not necessarily worse but different. Um, And in this case, like sometimes better. Not always, but sometimes. So I don't know. I really like that. I thought it was um, really lovely and I enjoyed reading it. I don't read a lot of hockey stuff. Um, these days so it was nice to kind of get back into um, the vibe of like a fic that really looks at you know hockey players yeah I was sort of thinking we could start this off by talking about just the concept of future fic and future retirement fic Um, I think it is something that's so specific to well I'm actually not sure if it's just hockey fandom but like Mm, sports fandom I think probably I'm sure there's like other sports doing this I would imagine (laughs) I don't know them though well there's shades of it too in other like there's almost like this post celebrity or post performance kind of genre but Mm -hmm. I think retirement specifically is very like sports yeah definitely and I think retirement fic like has this like desire often to like send its main character off into the wilderness alone yes Which I, I really vibe with. <laughs> I have certainly read a, a number of retirement fics like that. I think one of the things that I really love about it is that it sort of creates this prolonged distance where there's no good excuse for communication or reconciliation mm. um, because it takes them away from this like life where they just sort of were together for like at least nine months out of the year and like being around each other was a, just a fact of reality. And it so often puts these characters in a headspace where once they're physically removed it becomes hard to like emotionally reach out and I really like it I am such a sucker for a fic that like uses space and place in clever ways and I'm going to talk about that for a while longer later in this discussion (laughs) um but I think that's definitely one of the things I really really like about like this trope in general in this fic one of the things too I think I like in specific about this retirement fic uh circles to what Nicole was saying that it's not just like, oh, everything is worse and I'm so sad now that I'm retired because I think I've read a decent amount of hockey retirement <laughs> fic like that, which makes sense, especially for specific characters that you're reading for. Like, you know, when your whole life is this sport and then suddenly you don't have that same like structure and routine and regimen, like that can lead to a lot of, um, oh no, what do I do with my life now? And I like that this fic did not, it's not that everything in EJ's life is perfect, but it's also not like he spends all of his time pining for like what he has lost um he he ended hockey sort of on his own terms um he's really happy with a lot of the life that he's built for himself um yeah it's a very like content and grounded ej in a lot of ways and he does have to sort of confront what he like has lost or what he could have had um in his like personal relationships but i do think it's nice that he sort of isn't fucked up about the hockey aspect of it yeah very much did go out like feeling okay about it the fic mentions that he he played the best hockey he he thought he could and he feels good about that and i really like that for him yeah i do think there's something really fun too with just the general idea of fandoms having specific tropes that kind of get built out of a lot of people writing a similar concept that like extends from kind of the canon of what you're working with like like we're we're building culture like that's so cool I don't know. I'm really into it. Yeah, me too. Makes me happy. Um, I re- that's like one of the most fun things about getting into a new fandom too, I think for me. is like yeah. seeing 
What are the trends? What are the trends? Exactly. And some of those are things that you just don't find anywhere else because they're things that have come out of like a very specific part of canon or they're just particular takes on tropes that exist in like a much more widespread way. But this fandom does it in this particular way. And that's always really interesting too. Or Bren, like you were saying, um, because Av's fandom and Av's fic is a pretty small area, it's also cool to see the ways that, um, like you had said, fandom is trying to bring like, I want to talk about my favorite character or my favorite player. Now, how do I do that? And like, what are the ways in which I want to dig into this? And it's really, really cool to see when it is a small fandom and there isn't a ton of fandom material already there. It's really interesting to see the ways in which authors choose to do that. Yeah, because you're sort of creating the the canon the canon and like taking this person and making them into like the character that fandom knows them as Mm -hmm. and this very much is like a character study of ej and his character and ej is like very sad at a lot of points in this fic (laughs) and it made me also very sad like some of it really got me i think something this fic does super 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 well um in like the first half mostly is you have ej who's like spent like, years now, sort of vaguely kind of rolling over how things ended with Nate in his head. Um, He's, like, sort of dated other people. They don't really get the whole, like, post-pro sports lifestyle thing. Um, And, like, he seems very accepting of the fact that, like, Nate didn't want him, so EJ's gonna move on, and he has to move on. But, like, that, it's still, like, very much present for him. And the first half of the fic, you get these so many instances where, like, he's either thinking back to, like, moments where he just, like, feels like he was stupid for thinking he had a chance, or, like, when he talks to Nate in person for the first time in so many years, um, and Nate makes this joke about how he, like, told Tyson, who's, like, his best friend, about how they had been hooking up. First, EJ's like, you told someone? Like, he had kept this so close to his chest forever. And then second, it's like, oh, yeah, like, Tyson was, like, laughing. It was like, you could do better. Um, and it's, like, offhand. It's a joke. It's been years. It shouldn't be something that still hurts, but, like, for EJ, it very much does. And so there's such, like, just just this sinking feeling of, like, oh, God, like, he wasn't good enough then, and, like, he probably doesn't feel like he is now, like, in that exact moment. But there's also this current of, like, anger and frustration that goes with it of, like, why not? Because he never really, like, learned why. It reminds me of one of the lines in the fic, um, which is, it's right after Nate and EJ sort of run into each other for the first time post all of these years, uh, where Nate gives EJ an up and down, is clearly checking him out, um, and EJ, the fic goes, it doesn't matter if Nate likes what he sees. That had never been the problem. It had been getting Nate to like anything else about him. Oh. This is this is the part where I all caps went, this fic is designed to hurt me over and over and oh. over. Um, three user telehui. <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that's very apparent in this fic is how they're at very different points in this relationship quote unquote like they haven't actually been in anything close to a relationship in years and EJ has spent those years being in the mindset of I have to move on from this like this can never mm-hmm. be a thing I've learned that I'm gonna find something else this is never gonna work and even though it like he's still very much feels like the sadness and the pain of that because he wanted it to work and he wanted it to be something that it couldn't have been mm-hmm. he's put like the time and the thought into trying to move past it and for Nate he's not in that spot he sees it as still having this like huge future potential and for him to be so sort of um 
like cavalier about that in the way that he interacts with EJ is one of the most devastating parts of yes. this fic. Because he keeps saying these offhanded things. They're like, we could sort of still have this, but in very like jokey ways. Like, oh, like Tyson thinks we're hooking up. Haha, <laughs> isn't that funny? And EJ's like, yeah. you have mortally wounded yes. me, Nathan. <laughs> I, and me by and proxy me. as the reader who's in EJ's head. You yes. have mortally wounded me, Nathan. <laughs> Can I, talk- <laughs> Can I talk about the part where Nate does sort of realize what's going yes. on? Because, oh, it fucked me up so badly. So Nate is making all of these jokes, right? Like all of these references. He doesn't realize the headspace that EJ has been in for so many years. Um, and he manages to convince EJ to go out to lunch with him. And he keeps trying to bridge this gap between them, asking about EJ's life and how he's been and all of these sorts of things. Um, and there are two parts of this conversation that just mortally wounded me. Um, part the first, so for context, uh, Eric Johnson, the real Eric Johnson owns several horses and he (laughs) names those horses after NHLers and his friends. Uh And one of the horses is named McWinnin, as in Nathan McKinnon, except McWinnin. (laughs) And so Nate, in trying to ask what EJ's been up to, asks about McWinnin and very shortly ej says i sold him which was the worst thing ever when i first read it i was like he sold mcwinnon i reread our comments on the ao3 page and we're both like he sold mcwinnon um but the second part of that conversation that is uh, arguably more brutal is when it finally clicks for nate that ej is mad at him and more than that that nate really messed up um The fic goes, EJ can see the instant Nate figures out he's fucked up. The light in his eyes dims as he scrambles to recover a conversation he still doesn't realize was fucked from the start. Let's go back to ten years ago then, he says desperately. I don't need that kind of friend anymore. (laughs) Oh! Just- You can't see this, but Brenna is fully (laughs) dancing. She's dancing on this couch. It's so good! It's so good, and I think part of the reason that it wounds me so deeply is because- I think there is something relatable in how Nate didn't realize the extent to which he had messed up. Mm -hmm. That's something that kind of comes out in this fic is Nate slowly uncovering exactly how much hurt EJ has been holding on to. And And not saying anything about. And not saying. Like, what does it do to a relationship to hold a grudge for, like, over five years it's like eight ten years yeah and and some of those years were spent still playing together and just Mm -hmm. pretending and i think they didn't even have a chance to realize how fucked it up yeah how fucked up it is (laughs) until ej leaves and then he doesn't really realize until ej comes back right and there are multiple points where ej and nate are talking and nate is framing all of these things in the past as though they had happened one way because it was from his perspective where he didn't really realize what he was doing and EJ's like that's not how that happened at all at least like that's not how it impacted me and EJ has to like pretty directly tell him like you fucked up and you really hurt me and it's kind of awful in an almost maybe cathartic way to watch Nate really come to terms with how badly he hurt EJ. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, I think is something kind of relatable Uh, or empathetic in it. The, like, scene towards the end where they sort of fully air how they were feeling and their two sides (sighs) of everything that happened is so freaking good. And it really, like, 
gets at how after eight or ten years something can be so cemented in your memory as having having happened that way and then to get the other side of the story like 10 years later devastating but there's a line it's the line that like maybe fucks me up the most of everything um (laughs) in that scene where nate sort of really finally realizes what what it did to ej for him to sort of reject him Mm -hmm. because EJ sort of accidentally admits how he really had felt back then, like how he was basically in love with Nate, and Nate didn't know because EJ had never told him. And when Nate kind of cut things off between them, he thought he was just ending a casual thing, where for EJ it felt like getting broken up with and getting his heart broken, and Nate says, I wish I hadn't hurt you. Nate rubs at his eyes with the crumpled sleeves of EJ's sweatshirt and grimaces. I wasn't careful with you at all. And then I've just written, this is it for me, folks. <laughs> I wasn't careful oh, with you at all. I wasn't careful oh, with you God. at all. He wasn't. And this gets to something we sort of talked about off off air. <laughs> with this fic, which is like the difference between Nate when they were in their relationship being so like young and reckless and naive. Like he joined the NHL when he was 18 and mm-hmm. he didn't, he wasn't an adult really, you know, he was still just like a kid and he made these like stupid mistakes and for him to realize that so much later on in his career and in his life if i can um Go read. pull back the curtain maybe a little bit i went through the comments afterwards because that is a thing i enjoy doing and there are two comments that the author made talking about the fic where AO3 i wrote user where i wrote ao3 user telling me oh. turn on your location <laughs> um where one so of we them can send you flowers not yes. so we can come murder you well oh. <laughs> The comment that really, really messed me up um, is when she said, I love these vulnerable, inept boys who are utterly incapable of getting things right the first time. And I'm glad that Nate's vulnerability translated even when you figure out how much of a mess he really made of it. Your early 20s are such a wild ride. I feel like we all have to be so compassionate to our past selves and the positive growth we hopefully make, especially when we find out we sucked even more than we thought we did, like Nate had. It's good. Oh, God. Yeah, I was thinking about when I was reading... um, some of the stuff that Nate does is, like, really whack. Like, some of it is, like, actually, like, hurtful and, like, bad. And some of it is just, like, how could you in your brain have thought that this was a good idea? Like, I cannot get over the fact that in order to, like, prove to EJ that he was, like, ready for a relationship with him, he brought a, a different man as his boyfriend to one of their teammates' weddings. Like, hello? <laughs> like, look, I'm in this relationship. Now I could be in one with you. Like, the amount of, like... <laughs> mental leaps you have to make for that to make sense um because they're just like not communicating with each other through words at all and they both think they're giving off especially in this case like thinks he's giving off these like really clear signals that like make no sense from the other side it's so incomprehensible yeah but it's good i think it really works that like the nate we first meet in this fic is still sort of stupid and like ignorant in the same way that Nate of the eight years ago when they were together was. Um, And sort of provides a jumping off point for which Nate to grow throughout Mm -hmm. this fic, which I like a lot. You don't always like Nate in this fic. Yeah. But I do think at the end you sort of have to forgive him a bit as he, like, struggles to forgive himself. And that's really good. Mm. Yeah. Um, One thing I want to talk about a little bit that I really like about this fic and sort of ties back into our discussion of having like future retirement fic in general we had sort of mentioned earlier that in in the fic it it refers to ej having tried a couple relationships 
relationships with other people and them not having worked out super well because they didn't get it. And I think one thing that this trope and this fic in particular does really well is sort of tie in how wild it is to be done with your career and retired at like 35 yeah. and how lost that could that could make someone feel not just in the sense of not having this thing that you've been doing the whole rest of your life with which EJ seems to have come to terms with but how lost that could make you feel in just terms of your personal relationships and where you're at with your life in that way mm-hmm. um and I think hockey fic in general tends to deal with homophobia a lot and this fic doesn't dig into that mm. too much but I think it does get at the idea that like it sort of uses this the physical separation of EJ from his team and from what he's known as like an analogy for what it might feel like to be living outside of the sort of typical American heteronormative family timeline, which EJ is also experiencing. And so I think it's really good Queer at time? using <laughs> Nick, I, I almost put it in my notes and I was like Oh boy, Brenna. <laughs> I mean, I think it's applicable, though. Like, because we see there are a bunch of scenes of EJ with Gabe and his family. Mm-hmm. Like, his oh. very sweet, like, heteronormative kind of situation yeah. where, like, he has his wife and he has his kids and they are, like, kind of, like, perfect family. Um, and, like, they seem lovely in the fic. Mm-hmm. Um, EJ loves them a lot. He has a great time being with them. But, yeah, there are a lot of points where he's sitting there thinking, like, I can't believe, like, I thought that I would also be at this point in my life when I was this age, when I so obviously, like, can't have that. But I think it, like, requires, like, a forgiveness of EJ for himself as well, for not being at that point in his life. And I think it just sort of really allows for a beautiful exploration of, like, the loneliness of queerness in this fic. And it does this a little bit through isolating EJ in a physical sense, but I think that physical isolation also allows for us to explore like the emotional isolation of being at just like a very different place in your life and in your relationships and like the people who are closest to you. There's something that Nick mentioned way back in the beginning of the the discussion that um me you <laughs> wow <laughs> that really is something I'm thinking about now again that also messed me up where <laughs> EJ is trying to date other people. He's trying to get back into the dating scene and he's struggling with it a little bit because uh for ej is trying to get back into the dating scene and one of the things that he struggles with is um the fix says that these other gay men have forgotten what it's like to be in the closet and especially to be in the closet for so long and the fix says he felt decades behind these men who had no reason to hide which it just is so quietly devastating because it makes sense right like ej was playing hockey and even, you know, relationships aside, he sort of, he had been planning what his life would look like post-retirement, but it was, it was all of these things that very specifically were like, I get to have this in the future, Mm -hmm. but not now. And this aspect of being open about his sexuality and who he wants to date, it's not like a huge thing in the fic that it digs into, like you said, like homophobia is like not a huge thing that the fic gets into, but this one line about finding a gulf between him and other adult gay men because they don't remember what the closet is like just really hit me so unexpectedly hard it's really good um we've sort of talked about like ej's loneliness a bit in this fic and he has this big ranch in california that he goes and lives at post-retirement and i just really like how like space is used in this fic both in that it sort of uses 
California and like the Sierras is this very like open space for EJ. Um, everything's big there. Like there's big mountains. He's a big house, big windows. Like everything feels very open. And that sort of allows for both loneliness, but also potentiality. And Denver feels very like close and familiar in ways that are both comforting, but also scary. Claustrophobic. Exactly. And I really, really like that. There's a line towards the very end of the fic sort of about that, that I absolutely love. And it goes, Denver glows with the thrum of the city's nightlife as the plane descends. He's flown into Denver more than any other place on earth, but he still has to catch his breath a little every time. It might not be home anymore, but it was for a long time. And that feeling of awe and belonging is worth holding on to. This is the most relatable line of the entire fic. Because (laughs) every time I fly on an airplane in the window seat, and I like look out the window, either while we're like taking off or like landing in a city, I just cry. I just like cry. Largely for like kind of these reasons, I feel like of like look especially like coming back to LA a lot of the times I'm just like <laughs> I I too get very melancholy on planes, especially looking out the window. It brings out a very soft side of me, even softer than normal, if you could believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like a really good sort of line to leave it on because I think this fic a lot is about EJ reconciling with his past and figuring out how to move on and make these things all collectively a part of his like present and future. And I really love it. Okay, thank you was... so much A3 user Talahui. <laughs> thank you A3 user Talahui. <laughs> um, um, all right, so this has been All Straight Line Circle Sometimes by in case you missed it, A3 user Talahui. <laughs> our friend in yours. Um, I really love this fic. I think it's a great exploration of self and futurity and what it means to like forgive yourself and make up for your past. Also horses. Also horses. <laughs> Sick. Hey, Nick. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your pick for this week? <laughs> I said that really close to the mic. Yes. Uh, yeah, I will. Um, so my fic is called Prismatic. It's by AO3 user Maestrado, I think. That feels like pretty right, but as with Illinois's uh, last episode. I'm not 100% sure, so we're going to try out some variations. Magistrado. 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 Okay, nailed it. Um, anyway, uh, this fic is called Prismatic. Um, and it is a BTS fic. Um, BTS is short for Bangtan Sonyeondan, which is a K-pop boy group. There are Woo! seven of them. Woo! Bangtan! Bangtan. Bangtan for life baby. Uh, we like them. Um, so something, some things I guess to know, some background kind of context um, in terms of how like K-pop works. Um, people usually will audition to become like trainees for a specific company and then after a while they'll debut. So BTS debuted in 2013 with seven members and yeah this week was released in 2018. It's set just a little bit before that but it jumps around a little bit. Um, it centers around Namjoon, who is, like, the leader of the group. Um, his, like, stage name is RM. It used to be Rap Monster. That's relevant in the fic later. We'll talk about it. If you just felt a wave of embarrassment yeah. hearing the words Rap Monster. So does worry, he. also a track. In the fic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, like, in life. Um, but yeah, I really, really, really love this fic a lot. It's very internal. Um, it's, like, very much about the relationship between... Namjoon and Hosok, um, but it's also about Namjoon, like, working through his own stuff. Um, there's a, I would say, like, a pretty 
slight um, content warning for some discussion of like depression and anxiety, general like mental health stuff um, that we'll be touching on a little bit. Um, so brace for that. Um, but otherwise, nothing really. It's mostly Nam June like coming to some realizations about himself and Hosok, who's like his bandmate, and like his place in the band and how he feels about like being seen being seen is a really big like theme in this fic um but i've read it like a lot of times um it's one of my very favorite fics in this entire fandom and also like it being like six thousand words doesn't hurt um on rereadability um but it's one of my absolute favorites what did you guys think no pressure now that I say that I love this fic so much. <laughs> I, I did not write a note that was like, oh, AO3 user Maestrato, we're really in it now, but I wish I had. <laughs> because that, I think that would sum up how I felt. Yeah. It's really good. Um, the only thing I struggled with was like, sometimes it was too real. <laughs> the nomgen of this fic is so deeply relatable to me in ways that are sort of painful at times i'm like namjoon stop looking at me <laughs> even the- as namjoon in the thick is like oh sock stop looking at me <laughs> yeah so it's just sort of a lot at moments to read it but it's so freaking good the prose is so good it's really really good i liked it a lot <sighs> same <laughs> <laughs> no it's in many bts fics that i've read namjoon is so deeply relatable as Brenna said, sometimes in a way that is too close. I don't like it. I'd like to see less of myself in this fic. Um, I personally don't know that Prismatic is the fic I've most felt connected to Namjoon, but there is still a lot of relatability. And also, the Hasuk here is very, very good. Uh-huh. Um, I had read this fic before, and I loved it the first time, loved it again the second time. I think there are certain things that hit different and stronger on a reread. It tucks so much emotion into seemingly little things everything feels to me like it was blown up and examined under a microscope which is kind of how namjoon feels in this fic which is brutal but so good that's so much of how namjoon is presented as looking at himself under a microscope Mm -hmm. constantly and i think Mm -hmm. Part of that, which this fic doesn't really get into, but we can sort of imply, is the fact that they are hugely popular, famous uh-huh. pop stars. Um, and so there's sort of that aspect of it. But this fic really is more about him looking at himself internally and feeling the gaze of his other bandmates, and in particular Hosok. And it just brings that all down to such like a fine point of, like a fine precise point of like examination. And who boy! It both is unflinching in its examination of Namjoon and so tender with him that I just feel pulled apart by it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. God, yeah. I think, like, I've I've talked about this a little bit, but, like, I think that the Hosok in this fic is, like, the Hosok for me. Like, a lot of fic in fandom, I think, is fic of other fic. So there will be, like, one really, like, hugely popular fic for, like, a pairing that then establishes sort of, like, the dynamic that people write them in for, like, most other fic in that fandom, Um, whether or not it, like, lines up really accurately with, like, what we see in canon. Um, This fic isn't, like, that same level of, like, establishing, like, content for this character or for this pairing um, that I've seen, but after I read it, I was like, I can never write 
a Hosuk that's not like thick of prismatic Hosuk because it's like so he's so different from a any version of like him that I've read but like b also just like any character that I've read like so rarely do you see a character that like is a perfectionist in the sense that he looks at someone and like sees the potential and wants to help them get to like a better version of themselves without like shaming them for being where they're at in that moment and like needing or like wanting to grow or like giving praise like very freely but also in a way where like people know exactly what he means or like being totally willing to like ask for help on his own stuff because he wants to be better like there's so much to this character and especially the fact that we see him through Namjoon's eyes the whole time Namjoon who is like a little bit scared of what it might mean to be someone that Hosok like sees and sees potential in and loves um like how do you how do you deal with the brunt of an attention like that I think that's what we see Namjoon struggle with so much through this. I think part of the reason this Hosuk is so impactful for me too is because it makes him sharper and yeah. meaner in a way than I think other fics have. Mm-hmm. Because he's very he's very jovial. He keeps like the spirits up of the group. He's like always sunny, always smiling, has a lot of energy kind of a thing in real life. Mm-hmm. Um but we have seen through videos and interviews and whatnot, we've seen the ways in which he can be exacting, but I don't think that's something that fandom digs into as much. Um, so I liked that this fic, when I say mean, I don't like, <laughs> not ju- not mean for the sake of being mean, but I like that this fic makes him sharp yeah, and doesn't shy away from that. I think he is always kind in this fic, but I don't think he's always nice. Yes. And I think that's a really, really fun distinction. And, like, I agree, he often gets sidelined as, like, comic relief. And that, I think, is, like, fun to read sometimes, depending on what you are reading. But I think so rarely do we get this examination of, like, yeah, he's, like, the choreography leader who has to make sure every single thing that they do is perfect because they're performing on, like, national television or, like, international, like, awards shows and stuff. Um, Like, you don't accomplish that by being, like, ah. It was perfect, everyone. You were great. Don't even worry about it. I think one way that Fick often deals with the happy, bubbly side of Hosok that we so often see, and that really is his, like, stage persona, and that is his, like, interview persona and stuff, Mm -hmm. is by writing in Fick an interiority to him that we don't see. And this Fick sort of counters that by saying, what if instead of having all of this angst, all this pent-up emotion inside of him... What if he really just says what he means? And that's sort of the baseline for this Hosok. And it also sort of grounds some of the tension between Namjoon and Hosok. Namjoon is someone who has just a million thoughts inside of his head that he's desperately sort of trying to keep there and only show or speak like the best ones and the most positive ones and the ones that will be helpful to everyone around him. Mm -hmm. And Hosok's just saying what he means and what he thinks. And and we sort of get the scene where Namjoon is sort of like, thinking about what might be inside Hosok. And I'm sure there are things that we don't see from him. Like, mm-hmm. we're not in Hosok's head in this um, at all. We're very deep inside Namjoon's yes. head in this. <laughs> but I do really like how it presents a Hosok who just is. Yeah. And I think that's really nice. I think it's a it's a really interesting sort of difference to how we often, like, deal with a character who we don't see, like, their internal thoughts as much. Because 
yeah, like Namjoon in real life too is this person who is always trying to like show himself. Um, it's like kind of his whole big thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think why he's a character where you can write so many like internal, so much like internal angst and discomfort and like reckoning with yourselfness. <laughs> Those are words. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but it's just interesting to pair him who we know to be this very like interior person against Tosok, who we always see to be this very like external person. Mm-hmm. I really love that there's a portion of this fic, as with many fics, where Namjoon, our main character, realizes he's in love with Hosok, our love interest. Um, incredible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But I feel like so often in fic, it's either like someone else telling them like, dumbass, you're in love with him. Or it's like this one moment where you're like with the other person and like they do something that's like really cute or like they say something that's like really poignant and you're like, oh shoot, I'm in love with them. Like it's off- so often this kind of a thing comes as like a surprise to the main character. But in this fic, Namjoon literally like thinks himself through it. Like, it's such an intentional process where he's like, okay, like, I'm kind of scared of Hosog, but I want to be around him all the time. But I, like, feel really worried that he's going to, like, see these parts of me that I'm ashamed of. But he's the only one that I trust with the parts of me that I'm ashamed of. He, like, runs over it. like sort of like, maybe he already knows all these parts. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. There's, there is a line in that section where Namjoon realizes his own feelings where he's sharing a hotel room with Hosog and he's thinking through all of these things and it goes he realizes that it's not that he doesn't know what's going on it's more that he doesn't want to know it's hard to hold yourself at arm's length with your own feelings he can see Hosuk's individual eyelashes in the dark when he looks over so it's all kinds of fucked up but specifically that line it's hard to hold yourself at arm's length with Uh your own feelings is i think very central to the namjoon of this fic and him sorting through his own emotions yeah Um, i love the like so it's all kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> because Namjoon's yes. been so, like, in his head and, like, spilling everything out and detailing it all and so careful and exacting with himself and his thoughts. And for him to just sort of revert <laughs> to, like, sort of the, the hashtag relatable 20-something yes. thought of, like, it's all fucked up. Yes. I was like, oh, Namjoon. He's oh, right. Namjoon, we're really in it now. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yes, my note specifically reads, Namjoon fucking realizing that he overanalyzes his interactions with Hosok so much because he's in love with him. Ack. I love how methodical it is that Namjoon thinks himself into this loop. I love that it's not this shining magical moment that is gifted from on high. Like he's just like lying in bed and thinking like it's all kinds of fucked up. Like I'm just lying here. What am I supposed to do with this? There's a point where he's like looking at Hosok. Um, they're like really close to each other. It's it's just like really really beautiful like pivotal scene for them. But it opens with like Hosok coming in. Namjoon's like crying and like stressed out and trying to figure out like what he's doing and like if he's good enough essentially. And Hosok comes in and they're like talking and Hosok closes his eyes for a second and there's a part where Namjoon is just like looking at him and like describing and detailing different like parts of his face and all this stuff and he's like it's he's like it's he, it, ah ah this is how emotional I am. <laughs> he says it's like he can't stop looking and he knows Hosok is going to open his eyes eventually and catch him staring but he at that point he can't even like tear his eyes away and that's like metaphor horns um, <laughs> cause like wow 
It's really good. Oh listener. my god. Like literally it's amazing, right? It's like incredibly intimate and romantic for him to be like, I can't even like even if I'm gonna show this thing that's like embarrassing that I'm staring, like he's so beautiful, I can't stop. And then metaphorically, like I'm showing this part of myself that I'm embarrassed of and he's gonna see me and I'm gonna let him Oh God. I did not have this <laughs> I'm just losing my mind over here. <laughs> I didn't have this thought while I was reading, but you saying this makes me think about how that kind of contrasts to the one of the opening scenes of the fic mm-hmm. where they're uh, in dance rehearsal and Namjoon is really frustrated with himself because he keeps messing up a certain part of the choreo and he feels really bad because all of the members are kind of groaning, they're so tired, um, and Namjoon feels this big weight like it's him, it's him, he keeps messing up. Um, and he finally gets into the rhythm of it and gets it right and feels himself getting it right and then he locks eyes with Hosuk and messes up and fumbles his way back into doing it correctly um and after Hosuk is like okay we're done for the day Namjoon goes over and he's like he says I still messed up and Hosuk is like yeah but that was different (laughs) and Namjoon just sort of recoils at the idea of Hosuk knowing that yeah. the reason that Namjoon messed up isn't because he couldn't make his limbs work the right way. It's it's the being seen by Hosuk and knowing that Hosuk is seeing him and just... <laughs> we're losing it over here. You can't see us, but we're like silently wheezing. It's the agony of it's... being perceived, listeners. <laughs> it's, it's Namjoon saying that it's a, a different kind of unbearable knowing that Hosuk saw him seeing him. Because also in that scene when Namjoon admits to messing up there's a line that nicole and i just scream about on repeat for uh-huh. days and days and days and it's you had to confess your sins to hosuk namjoon learned that early on it was the only way to avoid hosuk confessing your sins to you oh god it's really good kill yeah. me so the first thing i wrote down after finishing this fic i think encapsulates all of my feelings about it okay. <laughs> all of my other notes are pointless it only is this one <laughs> um, no that's not true but i just wrote the agony of being seen by the person who you want to see you the most, and yet for them to see you means that you must confront seeing yourself. Ugh. Is all of my God. feelings about this fic. Yeah, I mean, valid. Yeah, I also love this Namjoon, like, independently of his relationship with Hosok, and, like, I mean, his relationship with Hosok is amazing, we've been screaming about it um, for, like, a while now, but I also think that, like, Namjoon himself, like, confronts a lot of interesting things within himself throughout like even in scenes where it doesn't seem like immediately essential or relevant that he does um and one of those um one of the lines i wanted to talk a little bit about um reads he's been feeling so good lately but his relationship to his wellness feels slippery namjin was dark for long enough that he'll never forget it he can already tell it's a shadow he'll carry maybe forever there's a creeping fear that if he can't get himself to do the things he's learned how to do to be better eat real food, drink water, go on walks, talk to his therapist, make music when it's light outside, sleep at night, call his parents and friends, that it'll come back down around him. And like, oh, I have so many feelings about this idea that like recovery from from something, um, oftentimes mental illness, right? We talk a lot about it being like non-linear, right? That like there's bumps in the roads and we've, I think like we've all seen like these graphs of like what, re- what we think recovery is, like <laughs> diagonal line, what recovery actually is, a bunch of squiggles, like yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Um, but this idea that not only is it non-linear, but it's also never necessarily definitive, that there's not a point where you can look back at where you used to be and think like, I've recovered, 
I'm better now. Everything is better for sure forever. Um, And instead, actually, sometimes it feels like the further that you're climbing into recovery, the further you have actually to fall back. And there's never a point where like you're completely safe from that. And so to see like the way Namjoon outlines what his like almost his fail safes look like of trying to create this wellness that's unassailable and feeling unable to do that and afraid of what it might look like if his wellness is not perfect. I just thought it was something that like I haven't seen a lot in media and in fiction just in general. Um, And I thought it was like a really lovely way to look at like how he is thinking about bettering himself and growth because Namjoon in this fic um, and like in what we've seen of a lot of things that he's said just in general like is constantly thinking about growth and is thinking about how he can be better than the person that he used to be and like almost seems sometimes to like pity his past self or reject his past self even um, for not being who he is after he's grown already. I think going off sort of what you were talking about about Namjoon having to sort of face his past self and his embarrassment um, and having to sort of confront what his path forward looks like and reconcile with what his past was comes to light a lot in a scene where we get a flashback to him and Hosok like in a hotel room and Namjoon just like basically having a breakdown in front of Hosok and we sort of get to see this like softer side of their relationship and the very like compassionate and loving Hosok. Well because in this scene um, I mentioned it briefly in the intro but Namjoon's stage name was Rap Monster um, when he was younger because he was hard and like hardcore and stuff you know (laughs) Rap Monster. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) It's funny to us now because like all he posts are pictures of him like with cherry blossoms. (laughs) Yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Watering his bonsai. Yeah he named his bonsai. Yes um, but we do like and like we've seen like just like in interviews and stuff that he's talked about like being kind of embarrassed of that and like feeling bad that that's who he thought that he had to be so this scene is like essentially that kind of fill-in like turning point where Namjoon's like this isn't who I want to be anymore this isn't what I want to do anymore um and he doesn't know who to talk to about it he's just like embarrassed and ashamed and like doesn't know what happens like if he like holds on to this um he says at one point that like does it make you a monster if you call yourself a monster uh like ouch no I don't think so um but like Brenna said too, like I think this scene, for me at least, was the first scene in this fic where we see a Hosok that is like warm and like unequivocally warm. Where in the first few scenes of this fic, we get a Hosok who's like a little bit cold sometimes and a little bit scary. And for me, this is the point of realization that the Hosok of this fic is not cold or scary. Um, Namjoon is just like afraid of being seen by him, and that completely colors his perceptions and the the descriptions that we get of Hosok until this point where Namjoon has, like, he has no walls left to put up. Like, he's just hurting in this moment and needs someone to actually see him and connect with him. But I think maybe one of the most devastating parts for me is that he wants this person to be comforting him to be anyone but Hosok. He's, because they're in this hotel room that they're sharing and Namjoon is in the middle of a breakdown when Hosok comes back and he's thinking, like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. if, it could, if it could be anyone but him. Because, as we've said, like, so much of this fic is Namjoon being afraid of how deeply Hosok knows him. And I think in this scene it's a little bit of Namjoon wishing he was more unknowable to the one person <laughs> who maybe sees him the best. Yeah. But it is, as you said, it's a very compassionate Hosok. Like, there's nothing to be afraid of. I just think it is more impactful for me that 
Namjoon doesn't want it to be Hoseok there at all. And I think that's, like, compounded by the fact that, like, in some secret little way that he won't admit to himself or to us, we know that he, like, does also mm-hmm. want it to be Hosok. Yeah. There are these two sides of him where he's, like, desperately, like, please don't let Hosok see me because he can see so much deeper than anyone else. And also, like, just n- desperately needing to be seen fully by uh-huh. someone, not just for his embarrassment, not just for his good parts, but, like, all of it all at once to, like, recognize the scope of who he can be as a human. <laughs> I'm agony, listeners. There's one other <sighs> bit that I sort of want to touch on before we wrap up. Mm. And it's this like repeated line that first comes up pretty early in the fic. Um, just as a text message while Namjoon's working in his studio and Hosok texts him being like, do you want to get like dinner or drinks? Like you've been in there for a really long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as Namjoon's sort of very in his head about this thing he's working on. Mm-hmm. Um, or Namjoon's like, yeah, let's go. And Hasak texts him, dope, I'm coming to archive now. We're same, same, Juna. And this part, okay, it, it killed me on the first reread. But mm-hmm. then today I was simply just like thinking about it and tearing up. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you could not see, but as Brenna was reading it, I melted down. Yeah. I just kind of became a blob of sad feelings. It's a lot because this happens even before sort of like the hotel break breakdown flashback Mm -hmm. and while it isn't like a particularly compassionate hosok this fic focuses so much on namjoon's like perceived differences between him and hosok yeah um and it focuses so much on like how namjoon thinks like namjoon just like feels like he has so much going on inside of himself all the time and it's sort of like unbearable to him and how hosok seems so able to be like honest and open and we aren't really put in hosok's headspace at all in this fic but we do get what he says out loud. And for him to be the one to call them same, same really kills me because it sort of launches us beyond just like these differences that the fic sort of outlines and that Namjoon keeps um, fixating on. And even as we know that they like can see each other so fully for them to both recognize that there is something in each other that they see as same Oh, I don't know. It's just, I, I literally just wrote, I am in ruins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's how I feel about it. And it come, they come back to it at the very end when they oh. finally sort of like do get together. But in a, like a melancholy way, because it's a bit of a melancholy fic. It is, yeah. um, and from I think me? it's just like <laughs> a melancholy pick from me. <laughs> Who could have guessed? <laughs> I don't know. I think it just really, it, it balances everything so well for me to have both this idea that you can be so different and yet see each other so fully, and in that find something that is the same within each other. Wow. It's beautiful, and it hurts me. Yeah, that was prismatic. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a fic about the mortifying ordeal of being known. That's all. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, So. (laughs) That's low-key our theme for this episode. I think so. I was going to talk about the end, but here, here we are earlier. Yeah, no need. Um, yeah, but that's that's that for me. Reed, do you want to jump into yours? Now that we've had a super fun and lighthearted conversation, are you ready to dig into another fic where we talk about the mortifying ordeal of being known? Yeah! I am! This one I think is maybe <laughs> less intense, but even still. It's less intense, uh... but like, the more you dig into it, the more you're like, ah! <laughs> We also just set a pretty high bar, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, my fic for this episode is Jamais Vu by The Hoyden. It is an Inception fic. The pairing is Arthur Eames. Before we jump into it, just some content warnings. 
there is some canon-typical violence, some canon-typical pseudo-death that happens when they are dreaming all the time and then wake themselves up from dreams. One character does also have some PTSD symptoms, and he does have a panic attack pretty early in the fic that is a scene we might be touching on. Um, So just some things to keep in mind if you read this fic. So before I jump into the actual summary of the fic, um, in case you haven't seen the movie Inception, or in case you haven't watched it since 2010, or perhaps you recall that it's a very confusing and complex movie, (laughs) um, I guess I'll give a very brief summary The basic concept of Inception is that the world has developed the technology for people to share and manipulate dreams, and it's often very hard to tell the difference between dreams and reality, and people have used this as a sort of weapon of sorts. Um, It's implied that the military uses it, but also it obviously led to a large amount of, like, illegal use as well for people to divulge secrets from one another, amongst other things. Um, the basic plot is that Dom Cobb, who is played by Leonardo DiCaprio... I'm sorry, why is it such a fucking <laughs> funny name? It's really, it's honestly <laughs> Hello, funny. I'm Dom Cobb. <laughs> he sounds like the stupidest farmer. <laughs> <laughs> but like Corn Cobb. Dom Corn <laughs> Oh my god. My only dreams are about a beautiful harvest this season. <laughs> This is a farmer's market stand. <laughs> okay, I'm okay, done. Wow. <laughs> um, the basic plot is that Dom, who is played by Luna DiCaprio, um, has done something in his past that is preventing him from getting back to the States and his children. And he gets approached by a businessman named Saito, who says, if you can pull together a team to plant an idea in my like, business competitor's head and make him break up his empire... I'm very powerful, I have a lot of contacts, I can sort of expunge your record and get you back home. So, uh, Dom pulls together a team. Two of the people on this team are Arthur and Eames, who the fic is about. Um, one of them is also yeah. a guy... <laughs> one of them is also a guy named Yusuf. And there are some other people, but they don't yeah. really feature in the fic. Um, for the purposes of knowing what you need to hear, Arthur is an architect, which means he sort of builds the dreamscapes that they go into. Eames is a forger, so he is very good at manipulating the characters that you meet within a dream and making them seem real, like making them seem like people you know from real life, um, and being able to convince the dreamer that they're not dreaming. Um, And Yusuf is someone who basically, like, develops the different drugs that are used to um, utilize the technology to send people under into the dream space. I think that's probably the most important stuff you need to know from canon. This fic itself is... Um, it never actually says, like, it's potentially post-canon or canon-divergent. Um, it takes place where Dom is reunited with his kids. Arthur and Eames are running some jobs together. Um, it's mentioned that they see some other people from the crew. So that's kind of where it is. The plot of the fic is that Arthur and Eames agree to help Yusuf test a new drug that is supposed to make their targets more amiable to answering questions while they're dreaming. Essentially, he's trying to create a truth serum that doesn't quite alert the person to what is going on, but Mm. makes it very easy to pry information out of them. So Arthur and Eames agree to be test subjects for it, and the fic alternates between the dreams that they share, in which Eames is trying to get information out of Arthur, 
um, to various degrees of success. Uh, so it alternates between the dreams and then their waking moments after the tests where they're sort of dealing with what has just happened. This fic is pretty short. It's also under 7k. I think one of the things that I really love about it is how smart it is in really precisely picking its scenes and what it does with those scenes. It really does a lot of work in short amount of spaces. It tells you a lot all at once and I thought was really really well done that way. I also really liked it sort of right from the beginning. I thought the characterization was spot on. That was mm -hmm. the first thing that drew me in. Um, almost immediately. It's a scene between Arthur and Eames, and Arthur insults Eames in a way that felt, like, very true to character, and I was like, oh, this is fun. Um, this is also a fic that, uh, pulling the curtain back a little bit, I found this fic shortly before we recorded our past episode. So, <laughs> it's not, um, unlike, I think, most other fics that we've talked about so far in the pod podcast, it's not one that I am, like, super familiar with, that I read back when Inception came out and have been poring over for so many years. I went digging into the Inception tags, it is something I had read fic for in the past but hadn't revisited in a while, but I think Inception as a movie and the concept that it presents gives fandom so much space to play in. There are so many interesting concepts to dive into, especially when so much of the movie itself digs into the idea of how can you ever trust what is real when you spend so much of your life in a space that is not but is meant to convince you that it is reality. There's also a thing that comes up later in the fic uh, that is in the movie that all of the characters have totems, which are basically little items that only they know how they work. And in dreams, they never work quite the right way. So like a loaded dice or an, a chess piece that only falls a specific way. The characters use those totems to see how they react in real life and how they react in dream space. And they, they use those to be able to tell sort of what is real. But yeah, I just think there's so much about this fandom that can be so devastating so that's why I went looking for this fic and I found it and I really really loved it and I would love to hear what you guys thought of it it's good it's, this, it's, <laughs> it's okay. good I guess no I liked it a lot uh, it's the second inception fic I've ever read um and this time I was really excited because I haven't seen this movie like since it came out um I haven't read much fic for it. I'm not really in the fandom. Um, but within that first scene, like you were saying, the characterization, like, I immediately could tell which one was Eames and which one was Arthur. I was really excited about that. <laughs> I struggle with that. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, Eames is the British one. He's Tom Hardy. Correct. Arthur is Joseph Gordon-Levitt and he's the short and wear suits. I know this. Also correct. Thank you. I was so excited. But also, like, yeah, it's also super efficient. Like, in that scene where I figured out who was who, like, while that dialogue was happening and while I was getting a sense of how they were in this fic and what they were or what they seemed to be to each other, at the same time, I was also getting the exposition and I was understanding why they were there. There's no, like, blocks of text that explain exactly what's happening to you. You just learn as you go. And I thought that the pacing in that sense was, like, excellent and, like, incredibly efficient, which I loved. Fully agreed. Um, yeah, I have definitely read Inception fic, I don't know, like, why I wasn't more in the fandom, to be honest. Like, I was definitely in fandom at the time it came out, and, like, I think maybe I was just very busy with social network. <laughs> because I remember, like, reading some, but just never really being that into it. I mean, there's a fair chance I even, like, read this one. It's massively popular in this mm. fandom. Um, like, with over 4K kudos. Like, mm. that's big. And obviously that's accumulated over time as well, but... still. But still, um, yeah, I really like this. I feel felt like it was very, I felt like it really 
got sort of straight to the point of itself and in that way also encapsulated a lot of what we imagine inception fic to be i think it hit a lot of like the right notes a lot of what you were saying earlier read about how do you tell if this is reality what does it mean to question whether something whether or not something's like real or true is a lot of what this fic is based on and i think it does a really good job with that it felt very classic in that way which i really Mm. liked um one thing I really liked about this fic, which I think is very representative of Inception fic in general, is that there's like a chosen element to the to the dreams. I think I've gotten very used to reading like dream sharing fic where it just happens to the characters yeah. and they don't really get a choice in it all that much. But here there's really like a op- like a choice to opt in or not and then to continue to opt in. And I thought that was like a really interesting element of it and something I'd sort of forgotten about Inception fic in general. And that's not to say that like all Inception fic has that because a lot of it I think still is sort of like you're in a dream unwillingly because that's sort of what Inception (laughs) as a movie is. (laughs) But I liked it a lot here. And I think just like the structure of it also being this experiment that Yusuf is working on, like emphasizes and adds another layer to that voluntary nature and adds like a really interesting commentary on like why Arthur and Eames continue to choose to participate in these and continue to choose to like dream together. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the reason they continue to do that is because it like is an excuse for them to sort of break down their walls mm-hmm. around one another. They're in love, you guys. Wow, who would guess? guess because it's fucking fan fiction. They're in love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, that fact of opting into it like you were saying, is really heightened by the fact that they're not just opting into dreaming together, but Arthur in specific is opting into putting himself under the influence of, again, essentially a truth serum. And with Eames, specifically. With Eames! Like, that's what was killing me, the amount of trust that you have to put into another human being to know that, like, they could ask you any question and theoretically you're going to answer them truthfully. There's actually a bit, sort of, I think, in the middle of the fic Mm -hmm. where... Dom calls Arthur yeah. to talk about it, and mm-hmm. Arthur had not mm-hmm. told him that mm-hmm. they were doing this. But it's good. Sorry. <laughs> um, Arthur had not told him they were doing this experiment, but he says he's not surprised that Dom knew. Dom says, I'm surprised you volunteered. And Arthur's like, yeah, well, you know, I think it could be useful, etc., etc. And Dom's like, you know that Eames could ask you anything he wanted, and if Yusuf's right, you'd tell him. Arthur is quiet for a moment. I know, he says eventually. <laughs> then Dom sighs, well, if you're sure, that's good enough for me. And it's, it happens sort of in the middle of the fic, and I think it is maybe the first admission that we get from Arthur that he does trust Eames implicitly and to a degree that he would not trust anyone else. Um, but even in that scene, he never, like, he implies this trust, but he doesn't yeah. bring it up when I think, outright. Like, not to get back into our prismatic feelings. Yes, <laughs> please. But I think what's also implied is not just the trust, but, like, that Arthur wants Eames to see him and, like, wants, like, an excuse to tell Eames the truth. Mm-hmm. That Eames has now has the power to ask Arthur anything. And Arthur is trusting Eames to not betray that trust. But it's also an opportunity for Arthur to have an excuse to say the things that he's never going to say yeah. otherwise. It's really freeing. Oh, it's sense. good. Especially for someone who, like, reads as a very buttoned-up character, who is not, like, sleepover-sharing time with everyone. <laughs> um, and in this job, that's, like, espionage, and, like, who are you trusting, and, like, how are you navigating all of that? I think, though, one of my favorite scenes in this fic is actually 
where you get a little bit of the reverse. Um, not that Eames intended it to be so, but it's, they're dreaming, and Eames is asking Arthur questions from a Cosmo quiz that is, are you way too picky when it comes to guys? <laughs> and he's asking this very, like, Sleep silly- over sharing time. He's <laughs> <laughs> asking this very, like, silly-seeming question that's like, okay, you go on a date with a guy you like and he wears an ugly shirt, he says his mom bought it for him. Do you give him another chance? Do you think he's a mama's boy? And Arthur's like, this is so dumb. Why are you asking me this? And it seems like a very, like, funny scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only funny the whole way through. <laughs> and it's not about to get really sad. <laughs> um, yeah, well... <laughs> so... I was lying. So they're... Yeah, so Arthur seems to be kind of playing along with this quiz. And then out of nowhere, he goes, I know you loved her. And Eames... Eames is like, sorry, what? And Arthur's like, all of a sudden, not grilling Eames, but just unearthing all of these things about Eames's mother and that he knows that Eames like wouldn't take jobs out of the country because of his mother. Um, and he says, like, I know there isn't a shirt in this world you wouldn't wear if she had asked. And it's just, Eames is completely unsteady and really, really taken aback by the fact that it is even though Arthur is the one who's technically under the truth serum, it's Eames' secrets that are being unearthed. And when they wake up, Eames, like, stalks out of the room, and mm-hmm. Yusuf's like, what happened? And the fic reads, I answered questions, Arthur says, after a moment, just not how he wanted me to. Yeah. Well, because this scene so very brilliantly looks at another angle of this, like, trope, right? Where the person who is telling the truth is vulnerable, but in this case, the person who is telling the truth is also really powerful because that vulnerability ends up getting flipped because you can't, like, shrink back away from what this person is saying because you and they both know that it is true. Oh, and it's so delicious that Eames never sees it coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. He's just sort of, yeah, yeah. Eames is just so cocky and confident, like, reading off this Cosmo quiz, sort of, like, taunting Arthur almost. And we don't really know, like, what he's going to use it to lead into, but we're sure that it's something more than just, are you too picky <laughs> when it comes to guys? <laughs> um, and then for it to be flipped on him in this way that he totally does not see coming, I think it also helps to make them or, like, helps to put them on equal footing. Because I think this fic is something that could sort of easily fall into just Arthur being the vulnerable one, or, like, the one who almost needs to be taken care of. Because there is that sort of first time they do it where the formula's messed up and Arthur has a panic attack and he sort of has to talk him through it um, and then get him out of there, to say it nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He ends the dream very swiftly. Yes. Um, And... I like that this scene comes when it does because I think it sort of balances the relationship and shows that it's not just like Arthur who's being vulnerable or like taking a risk in this. I think it also highlights the fact that as this fic goes on, you see Eames dropping these bits of information that show exactly how deeply he knows Arthur. And the scene demonstrates that Arthur knows him just as well back. Mm -hmm that for all that they appear sort of flippant with one another and love to antagonize one another, there's clearly something so much deeper that runs both ways, Mm -hmm. but is not something that either of them like to look head on or acknowledge directly, which again is back to that sort of, Brennan, when you were like, why do they keep opting in? It's this. Right. It's, It's them being able to acknowledge how intimately they know one another without ever having to 
be that direct about it. Yeah. Because there's always the excuse, right? That it's a dream, that it that it wasn't real, even though within the scope of the movie and the canon and even in this fic, like, you know that it's still them in these dreams. And, like, yeah, the setting changes, but nothing that they do is fake. Nothing that they say is fake. It's all still happening. Like, the fabric of their lives looks a little bit different maybe than ours. Um, because when I'm in dreams, I yeah, I'm not as concerned about, like, the implications of the things that I'm saying to other people, because uh, I assume it's usually, like, just me. Um, I could be wrong. If, Hello, Nicole. Yeah, if you if you have traveled to my dreams, please tweet us at FitClick and let me know. Um, but, like, <laughs> I mean, the point I'm trying to make, I think, is that, like, yeah, they're using it as an excuse, but they both know the whole time that it's kind of flimsy too. Like there's a point toward the end where they do finally have to acknowledge that like spoiler horns, uh, the serum really wasn't working mm-hmm. yeah. on Arthur and they both knew that it wasn't working and they get to a point toward the end, which is also like they're getting together scene essentially where they both kind of have to sit there and look at each other and say like, yeah, I knew that it wasn't working but I still wanted to do this with you and I still wanted to move forward with you and like see what we could like learn from it or like get from it. Like it's almost like they both thought that they were being selfish with it too. Uh, One other thing that sort of almost like counteracts the fact that they know the dreams to be true is the fact that they don't necessarily know their motives to be true. Like in canon and here they are both sort of con men and there is an aspect of what the experiment they're participating in that it's also a con. And there's a really good scene sort of right before they have to confront each other about like what the fuck they've been doing where Arthur gets really mad at Eames because they basically share this sort of like intimate moment at the end of a dream and they wake up and a third person, Saito, had also been dreaming with them and sort of also tried out the serum. And it was like Saito and Arthur first and then Eames and Arthur. And when they wake up, Saito's like, yeah, not working. And oh, wait, let me find. Saito goes. He didn't answer my questions, and Eames goes. He answered mine. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Arthur gets really mad at him, um, and it's sort of saying like, "I thought the experiment was over. Why are you like? Why are you acting like the conversation we just had was still part of it?" Um. And Eames is like, "Well, that doesn't mean like I didn't mean it. Like I always mean it." And Arthur says, "You always mean it. With every mark, you always mean it." And it's so freaking good because I think it like gets at the point that like even if you can tell what's a dream or not which here you pretty much can even though Mm -hmm. in Inception you can't always Mm -hmm. but you still have a hard time telling what's genuine or true Mm -hmm. and that's really good I really like it (laughs) (laughs) I think too for me part of the reason why that line hits so deeply because I have that line with every mark you always mean it But part of the reason that hits so hard is because in a previous scene, Arthur and Eames are kind of poking at one another and why they do what they do. And Eames is saying, you know, you're very, like, strict and uptight, and that's why you're the architect. And he's, Eames is sort of, like, berating Arthur for not having enough imagination to be a forger, which is what Eames does, Mm -hmm. as in Eames sort of crafts the characters of the dreamscape. And in this previous scene, the fic reads... You have to mean it every time, Eames says, but more to himself than Arthur. Forging relies on finding the part you can believe. So then for Arthur to say later, with every mark you always mean it, it is yep. so brutal. Yep. It's good. It's so brutal. We and like then it. and then at the 
sort of... <laughs> Sorry. And then at the sort of very end of the fic, when they are getting together, I think it's Arthur who says, mean it, tell me you mean it, or something along those lines, yeah. where he comes back again. Um, but this time in a much more vulnerable way, where he had been angry before, this is him, like, pleading mm-hmm. for it to be real. Yeah. And also in that scene, something that was written to be both funny but also devastating is that they hook up and they get together and then Arthur walks into the bathroom and uses his totem Mm -hmm. as in to check whether he's still dreaming or not. Yes, I love this And Eames is like, oh, that's very flattering. Yeah. And so it's it's written as kind of funny but the implication of even after they have just been very vulnerable with each other in a multitude of ways, Arthur still has to check. He's still not totally sure. Maybe I'm still being manipulated in some way. Yeah. Oh my god, it's or devastating. Maybe when we wake up, this won't have been real, sort oh, of. Yeah. It's so devastating, and I really love it. It's excellent. Yeah, I just, I think this fic does such a good job of playing into that idea Inception gives you of not being able to trust your own reality, of the intimacy that can come from sharing dreams of what it means to be vulnerable and who is actually vulnerable at any given time. Um, and it's also, I think, very fun with the characters as well. I know we got into a lot of things that made us scream, but <laughs> the characters were fun. Like yeah, I said, it definitely. Was, I think the first thing that um, pulled me into this fic was just that it felt very true to the movie, as best as I remembered it. So yeah, that was Jamais Vu by The Hoyden. Um, we enjoyed reading it, and you should consider also reading it. Check it out. Check it out. Check them all out. Check out the fics. Check out every fic we ever talk about. Um, they're, they're all good. perfect Read picks. everything on AO3. <laughs> Just read all the fics on AO3. Wow, a big task. I'm sure you can do it, listener. You're you amazing. can do it. We stand you. <laughs> Our st- <laughs> the people we stand can do anything, yes. I think. Um, um, I really liked this week how we did not <laughs> set out to talk about three fics that are very much about like confronting yourself mm-mm. and your truths and showing them to someone else. And Prismatic got at that the most, but I think all of them Definitely. were very grounded in that idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm sure there was a lot of screaming in this episode. There's only so much of it I can cut out, so... Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it. Listen to our wails. After you listen to this, uh, you should go find a mirror and just stare yourself down for like 10 <laughs> minutes. Um, and then find us on social media at FitClick on Twitter or Tumblr <laughs> at fitclick.tumblr.com to let us know what some... Um, horrifying truths about yourself you learned um and found in your own gaze we'd really appreciate it um so hit us up um also thank you so much to folks who have been submitting recommendations through our form um you can either send it through like an ask on tumblr or we have a form in our pinned tweet on twitter so please please check it out um as you've heard we love to yell about fakes that are great and if you have a fake that you think is great that we should yell about please please share it we would absolutely love to Don't be hesitant to at us on Twitter. We want to talk to you. Share your thoughts with us. I know some of you listening are like our friends. (laughs) Don't just private DM me. Yeah, assholes. (laughs) No, but just like we would love to communicate with you and share in your experience listening to this. So please do not hesitate to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Um, Rate, review, subscribe. (laughs) But like actually, please rate, review, subscribe. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) We're a baby podcast. To us. Yeah. yeah, I know we come across like really cool and standoffish mm-hmm. um, in this show. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. We've never had an emotion once. I don't never. constantly crave validation. Me too. <laughs> Not, couldn't be us. Couldn't be Brenna. <laughs> but yeah, you know, hit us up, folks.
We love that. So our next episode will be coming out on November 22nd. Yeah. Let's talk about what we're reading. Oh, let's. <laughs> hey, Nick, do you want to go first? Oh, I, I will if you want me to. It sounds like you're excited about yours. Um, Just a little. <laughs> okay, everyone, buckle in. My fic is called The Undiscovered Country. It's by, again, I'm so sorry, um, Indigo Stohelet. We'll tweet it. We'll tweet it. Don't worry. Um, We will. I'm not sure. Yeah, but okay. This fic is from the very popular fandom that everyone is in. Um, I'm kidding. It's it's Shakespeare fic, y'all. It's Hamlet fic. It's literally Hamlet fic. I've been waiting so long to be able to speak about Hamlet on this podcast. I know it's early, but it's already felt like too long. Um, So I'm very excited. Um, I hope you read it. I understand, honestly, if you don't. But you still are going to get to hear me get really amped, so. All right, so that's my fic. Brenna! Yes. Hello, listeners, and welcome to our first installment of Brenna's Dreary Corner. Get yes! hyped! <laughs> oh! All right, so I'm going to be wrecking <laughs> Stately Homes of Wilshire by Waspabi. It's very good. It's a dreary fic. That means Draco Harry, if you don't know. <laughs> if somehow in your years of fandom you have yeah. escaped, you have managed to flee from I mean, the all-encompassing ship of Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy. <laughs> oh, that Harry and Draco? Yeah. Oh, wow. I never would have guessed. Thank you. But yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. Me too. This will be Nicole's second dreary fic. Woo! Woo! <laughs> All right, Reed, what are you doing? Oh boy, my fic. Um, the fic that I'll be talking about is What's Mine is Yours and What's Yours is Gone by Invading Thoughts. It's a Rooster Teeth Achievement Hunter fic. Yeah. So just, <laughs> Love a, it. just a quick note about this fic is that, um, first of all, it's, it's very short. It's under 2K, but... It kind of requires some context to understand. Um, I think it's a very good fic, but I think if you read it without knowing at all what it is about, it's not really going to have the same impact. Um, We will provide context when we talk about it in the episode, and we might tweet as well, just like with a little sort of explanation of what's going on. Um, So if you are interested in reading, I would just say maybe hold off until you know a little bit what it's about, unless you have watched... Achievement Hunters Sky Factory series, in mm. which case, Go please read it. this fic right now. Do it. It's very, very good Except and very short. We are so, so excited to be talking about these fics, um, to go on our retreat. Yeah. Three days of fan fiction, baby. That's all it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Different, I mean, that's like a little I, bit. Different from my normal life in which I read fan fiction every single day. No, I don't read fan fiction outside of retreat, actually. Yeah. I have news to break to y'all. I have been skimming all of these. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Um, we love and appreciate all of you so very much. And we hope you'll tune in for our next episode on November 22nd. Bye! Bye. Bye.